You are listening to The Addiction, hosted by Andrea Nafonsby on WSUW. On this episode, our guest is a family member of a recovering heroin user. Due to the privacy and protection concerns of both herself and her loved one, both will remain anonymous through today's episode. She has seen her loved one go through potential relapse situations and has also supported him through his many times in prison over the years. Today, she will be sharing the support person's side of battling a heroin addiction. Welcome, and thank you for sharing the struggles both you and your loved one have gone through. What is the base of his story? So how did he get wrapped up into heroin? He was involved with a gang. When he was a teenager, he was involved with a gang in Chicago. And part of what their game did was sell heroin. And the younger kid, his responsibility was packaging the heroin. He tells me that he packaged it without using gloves, and the absorption through his skin resulted in the addiction. Over the time you have known him, he has been in and out of prison several times, and he has contemplated relapse on several occasions when he's been out of prison. What is the most difficult part of helping him come down from these times when he starts to panic and thinks about turning back to it? Fortunately, his relapses have not really involved heroin or other opiates. They have been more involving alcohol as another replacement sedative. I think probably the hardest thing has been trying to convince him that whatever he is perceiving as a crisis right now is a temporary situation, that in time it will pass and that he just needs to figure out a way to cope with it. What would you say is the most difficult part of loving someone with an addiction or that's in recovery? Knowing how to support them without taking over, without being the mom, the procedure's the mom. And, and of course, also warning, because you never really am a person who likes to plan things ahead of time. And with this, you can't ever definitively plan. Things tend to be a crisis more often. So it's calming things down, being the voice of reason. And not allowing the drama to take over everything. Right, and letting letting things go and just trying to be as flexible as possible. Right, exactly. Now, with being close to someone that has had addiction issues, what have you learned about drugs in general or heroin specifically that isn't something that a doctor or a teacher in a class could really tell you about? Probably the, the thing that impacted me the most really didn't come from my involvement with him. It came from my professional life in seeing how families and others around the person are affected. And just, they can't really, class can't really prepare you for the depth of the effect. And would you say that now what you, since you've, in your professional life, have seen how this drug has affected families prior to um, being involved with having a loved one in your family that has this addiction issue, do you now see yourself mirrored in some of these other family members now? I'm talking about people that died because of the person with the addiction. Okay. So, no, in that respect, I don't. Okay. Um, I also think that because of my professional contact, I'm able to keep a better separation. Like a better perspective on it because you do have so much background in the field as it is that you know what to expect. You know kind of what it's like. I, mean, I know more what to watch for and where I need, when I need to pull back or when I need to set a limit. So would you recommend for other family members that they get educated 
so that way they can help look for signs or signals of relapse so that it's not as scary? Yes, I think that would be a good thing. Nobody wants to admit that they're in danger of relapse. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to think that they've managed to conquer whatever it is that they're addicted to and that something else has power over them. People want to believe that something else doesn't control them. And I think probably helping the families with the relapse prevention knowledge they can do for like the signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. and so that they can encourage their loved one to seek help sooner in the process before it gets to be to the point. Because relapse is is a continuum. It's not... Right. So they definitive act of taking the drug. It is a process that can take a very long time. Mm-hmm. I went to an alcoholic, a couple that were alcoholics that had been in recovery for probably 30 years, mm-hmm. attending meetings regularly. The two of them still relapsed, and the two of them eventually died, probably due to secondary complications of their usage. I don't believe that that type of a relapse was an overnight thing that culminated in one night we went to the bar and had a drink. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that you took 30 years and, and wiped it away in one act. Right. I, this had to have been an ongoing process of things getting worse, building up, and them not recognizing the signs and symptoms or them discounting the importance of the signs and symptoms. It, it's fine this time. It'll be okay. Right. It's no big deal. And downplaying it, yeah. And I do remember the first time that they did drink, and or drank publicly at least. Now, whether or not they'd relapsed privately, I don't know. But the first time they drank publicly in front of people that knew them to be in recovery was a very large deal. And it was common it on by multiple people, but they just felt, no big deal, we can do this, it's not a problem. Well, and obviously it was because they both ended up dead. When your particular loved one is out of prison, because he's currently in prison, which is um, important to note, what types of lifestyle changes are necessary to prevent temptation into relapse of any assorted drugs that are important to note? I'm a social drinker. It is not unusual for me to have a bottle of wine in the refrigerator or in a box in the back hallway. Mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Anything that I have that, is, that contains alcohol will have to go away. I'm sure that the Department of Corrections will insist on that, even if I don't think it's a good idea morally. Right. He has said that he doesn't mind if I were to drink in front of him. I, again, think that while he may think he doesn't mind, I don't choose to take that risk because okay. anything I do, I don't want to take any chance of something reflecting badly to him and causing him additional problems. Or to even think about that temptation, it just being there triggers thoughts of those kinds of things. So, yeah, I can understand that. Right. At one point, we talked about going for a picnic, and he made comments about having a bottle of wine for a nice romantic picnic. And I said, we can't have wine for a picnic. You can't drink. And he goes, why not? I'm not addicted to alcohol. My goodness, you're not. Alcohol has never been a problem issue for you. But it's another in the same type of drug type that you are addicted to. Mm -hmm. And I don't choose to be a part of anything that could result in it being a trigger for you. And because when you do use one, if you use alcohol, your perceptions are going to be altered and your ability to restrain yourself from doing foolish things is going to be altered mm-hmm. in a negative way. So it's just not something that I would choose to take a chance with. I don't go out things that involve alcohol that often. I don't go sit in the bar or anything like that. So those types of social activities, no, because I don't really do them. Mm-hmm. If I were to go to a play with picnic or a concert with a picnic, there wouldn't be a bottle of wine with it. Okay. There wouldn't be wine with Christmas dinner or a toast at New Year's. Okay. But fortunately, my lifestyle as I have gotten older has pretty much curtailed bar sitting. Okay. Like yep. many people do when they're younger and well, obviously a lot of people do when they're older. Mm-hmm. I don't tend to do that, so that 
fortunately for me, that's not going to be an issue. It's going to be more curtailing what I do still do. Now, something that was talked about in um, another interview that we did for the addiction um, talks about having pharmaceuticals in the house. Will you be clearing out old medications and things like that as well? Was I don't take any, I don't take any other prescription medications. Occasionally, sleeping medication. But I guess I just won't take that anymore. Or I would keep it in a locked container that he doesn't have access to. Okay, because I do know. Because while I trust, I would trust him to not get into my things on a normal basis. If he's in a relapse mode, I don't want to take that chance. Right. And one thing that was mentioned in that other interview was that things that technically all um, opiate pain medications are um, technically also the same as taking heroin so that's something important oh, completely to note. completely yes and that's something that as you know if he ever gets into trouble and you know has you know he falls he breaks a leg and he goes to the ER that's something i'm sure you're aware he of he gets he gets Tylenol <laughs> and i of course ironically when he did break some ribs and his wrist in a car accident and went to the ER and told them that he was a, reco- a heroin addict in recovery they mm-hmm. still gave him morphine-based, opiate-based pain medication. And he said, I don't think I can take that. And he said, sure, I can. Sure, you can. It's no problem. After he told them he was a a recovering addict, they still gave it to him and told him it wouldn't be a problem. Just go ahead and take it. You need it because nothing else will help the pain. Now, did he end up taking the medication or was speaking with you? He took one pill, called me and told me what he had done, at which point I screamed and said, you need to call your agent. You need to do something. And then he disposed of the rest of the drugs. He didn't take any more of them and did talk to his agent at the time about it and was able to show her that there was a prescription, that he hadn't done this illegally. It's not like he picked up something on the street. And was his agent okay with it because of the circumstances? Did he receive any Right, He did not get penalized for using the one he did because they they had given it to him in the hospital. He had tried to take precautions. Mm -hmm. Was still not thrilled with the fact that he'd actually taken one. Um, Now, lastly... Will you consider keeping any overdose-reversing drugs, such as Narcan, in your household, or do you think that that could possibly have a reverse effect? I think he would be extremely upset about that fact and feel that he wasn't being trusted. I think I would probably not be inclined to have any around, at least at first, and let him basically see how he does. But if I start seeing issues that lead me to believe a relapse is possible, then yes, I could see obtaining some. Although, like I said, his normal, mm-hmm. he, start, he has not relapsed using heroin in probably over 10 years at this point. When he has relapsed, it has been with alcohol. So that is more my concern at this point, is making sure that that doesn't happen. Although keeping in mind the fact that the other, obviously, is a possibility as well. Do you have any last thoughts that you would like to share of being the support person and helping support through the struggles of addiction that you'd like to share today? That they need to either make sure that they have good knowledge or that they have a support system Mm -hmm. for themselves because it's not like something you can turn off. It doesn't go away. It's going to always be there. And so just to make sure that you are before you enter into that relationship, assuming it's not a parent-child situation, but just if it's a a romantic partnership type of a situation, that you are aware of what the, well, you know what the odds, what the the negative consequences can be 
that you need to have a support system for yourself and to have a good knowledge base mm-hmm. of, of addiction and of the just the whole process of relapse. Well, thank you for sharing today. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Addiction, hosted by Andrea Fonsby on WSUW. Tune in next time to hear how heroin affects a small town, college campus, and how they are trying to prevent the epidemic from spreading through education.